0: You're listening to a Countout Podcast.
1: You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop. and welcome to Wrestling With Statistics, a unique wrestling analysis podcast based around using statistics and analysis to talk about wrestling in a unique and hopefully interesting way. Um, This week, as you can probably tell by the complete difference in accents, it is Craig from ProWrestlingMusings.com again playing host. Um, Ryan is away this week and not available, so I am going to stumble through hosting duties once again. Uh, however I'm very fortunate to have a very special guest I have with me Dan that you will probably know on Twitter as the excellence of procrastination hello Dan oh great thank you for having me oh you're you're very welcome and um, so Dan first of all the excellence of procrastination what what is that about
0: uh, it's when I was thinking of a uh, a Twitter name generally not very good at puns but I wanted hmm. a bit of a bit of a Brett Hart theme because he is Probably my, uh, my favorite of all time, and that was basically all I came up with because actually most of my uh, my wrestling watching is me procrastinating from doing actually uh, helpful <laughs> things so
1: sounds like, it sounds like a good way to exactly. spend your time. Um, <laughs> well, that, that kind of leads into uh, my, my kind of next question what how did you how did you get into um, how did you get into watching wrestling? It's
0: quite a strange one for me actually because um, I, I did watch as a kid uh, i remember watching so some of the earlier wrestlemania's um ultimate warrior hogan for example that's one I, I definitely remember mm-hmm. um but then i think sort of drifted out um probably actually around about wrestlemania uh nine i think mm-hmm. the awful hogan yokozuna thing where and my favorite at that time bret hart was sort of just completely sidelined um and then didn't really watch again until about Sort of four or five years ago, so I missed all the good stuff, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but I sort of started noticing. Um, I can't even remember sort of what got got me back into it, particularly. But there's a lot of the videos on YouTube that I was watching. Mm-hmm. So watching sort of top ten videos and things like that. You know, the what culture and, and cultaholic yep. videos and things like that. And I sort of did that for a year without really actually watching any wrestling. And then sort of thought, well, why am I? Uh, why am I watching these videos rather than actually watching the the wrestling itself? Um, and then started to get get back into it from there
1: so you you've kind of had like two periods of getting into wrestling then
0: exactly and I've yeah. spent a lot of the last few years sort of catching up on uh, mm. on everything that happened in between which is quite nice actually and then um, you know to say a lot of bad things about uh, about WWE but the the network is is very mm. good for being able to to catch up on things like that
1: oh so you've you'd would have you would have been um, you've been able to kind of check in on the golden years of wrestling the kind of um you know Randy Orton John Cena stuff <laughs> You know yeah, all, all,
0: all twenty-seven of them actually <laughs> I watched with a uh, dated breath.
1: It was um, in-ring classics, famously. <laughs> so, so was there was there some was there like a wrestlers or product in particular that kind of stood out from those videos? Like was a, a New Japan NXT type thing? So
0: it, it it was the WWE stuff to start with, just because that's mm-hmm. where a lot of the um the videos led. But I, I did quickly get into NXT um and and really sort. Of that was, I think, really got me back into wrestling. Properly was watching um, those takeovers because that was sort of in the the middle stages of the takeover period where they'd really hit their stride and watching people like um, Samoa Joe and, and then Nakamura and that's the sort of thing that mm. then led me into the, the Japanese wrestling, which is probably what I, I spend more of my time watching now.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It sounds like quite a quite a common kind of path in, you know, NXT, and um, then you know, perhaps like. For for me, I think it was like um, Cody went, and I kind of watched a bit of his Ring of Honor, and then that lead led into um, Kenny Omega. Chris, I think Chris Jericho helped as well. Kind of that kind of period. Uh, sounds like you're maybe a year or so before, perhaps. So uh, yeah, I get, but actually,
0: uh, the Jericho Omega match was probably the one that really sort of hooked mm. me into it. I have to say, because obviously, it got a lot of uh, attention at the time, yeah. and I remember watching that, thinking it was like nothing I'd seen even on nxt to be honest at that point it was and, and seeing someone like chris jericho who i knew anyway um doing that sort of that style was fantastic and and then and, and kenny omega has been one of my favorites ever since then really
1: yeah it's funny how you, you almost just like need one one little um hook and then you're in um i was, li- I was listening to uh, voices of wrestling last night and they were talking about how aew are almost like throwing all these hooks out there, like Bischoff, um, even Arian Andrew, um, Zach Ryder, like they're they're probably not being used as like in ring talents. They're just like hoping that their social media um presence or their kind of WCW following or whatever kind of like piques somebody's interest and then they then they see Omega or they see Sheeta or whatever and get hooked in, which I thought was quite interesting.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point because obviously uh, there's a lot of complaints I think from people who knew mm-hmm. the elites from beforehand that they're not being pushed as the stars, but actually it's only the people who watch New Japan in the first place who would have known them. So actually, you do need to go wider than that. And yeah. as you said, that's why they're presumably casting their net a bit a bit further, which unfortunately does lead to you know the odd Mike Tyson moment. But uh, yeah, yes, <laughs> but, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can sort of see why they're doing that, for, particularly for a, a new company.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you, your um, passion, kind of within wrestling, seems to also be writing about it. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yes, yeah, so again, that's actually something I've only started very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on Twitter for quite a long time, and then yes, whilst yeah, you know, it obviously has its uh, has its difficulties, as I know you've you've Twitter, talked about on here before. Twitter, I know, um, I know, what are you I, know. About? Man, I know, man,
1: this like lovely uplifting <laughs> space. <laughs>
0: But uh, I've sort of tried to, uh, to to manage sort of who, who I follow and, and speak to, mm-hmm. and, and I've enjoyed that part, side of it. And just realised I had sort of more to say than uh, than 280 characters each time. And <laughs> yes. so just uh-huh. uh, just started doing a bit of writing, and, and so it really is very new. Um, but, uh, but it's something I'm enjoying at the moment. I'm not sort of necessarily focusing on anything particular at the moment, but um, sort of just writing about lots of things that that I'm interested in, mm-hmm. and, uh, and just yeah, it's, again not something I'm aiming to do sort of particularly long term or anything like mm-hmm. that it's just something i enjoy doing at the moment and it's, uh, it's good and it's great being able to, to be involved in, in things like uh, wrestling musings where there are just mm-hmm. you know, sort of immediately you've got a community that you can that you can speak to which is it's just really good
1: yeah like try yeah it's weird like trying to um I, I, this is maybe a bit of a deeper question but like how how do you find the kind of um the kind of like I I have a struggle with Twitter where like I have my really good intentions where I want to speak about wrestling with people because I don't know about you but like my everyday life is it's a it's a niche interest not a lot of people but I you I've got like one friend that's in, that's into it that's about it that's one me. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> so yeah well that that's kind of what drew me onto Twitter and then you kind of want to get more involved and do something creative but like. It's really, really hard to, or I find it hard to manage like the, the kind of genuine wanting to talk about it and connect with people about it versus the kind of, um, ego bit of like, Oh, I've got all these followers or oh, all these people have liked my tweet or such and such as retweeted, um, my tweet, how, how, how do you find that having perhaps been on for a bit longer?
0: It is tricky, and and I was very guilty at the start of being on Twitter of just desperately trying to Mm -hmm. increase follower numbers rather than actually sort of looking at who was following and who I was actually interacting with. Um, But I I think there's definitely a lot to be said for actually spending time speaking to people in more detail on Twitter rather than just trying to do that. And you get to the same point, actually, with um, when you start writing, you you need to be careful not to worry too much, particularly in the early days, about number of views and things Mm -hmm. like that because actually then it starts becoming... Not as much fun, <laughs> and yes, you start yes. sort of uh, sort of doubting what you're doing. So um, yeah, it, it's I, I can see how people get sucked down that that road. I have to say, um, particularly in Twitter, where it you know mm. does become very competitive a lot of the time. Um, but no, I, I try reason. try, no, try my best not to get uh, get to it, yes. yeah. and I don't mm. want to say to you that numbers aren't important because obviously that's uh, <laughs> that's against the very uh, the very spirit of the website. But
1: yeah, oh, like it's. <laughs> it's yeah it's it's i suppose it's a balancing act you kind of you you kind of need to bear the numbers in mind um but yeah you don't want to get sucked into kind of um yeah kind of social media type um bad habits absolutely yeah um, yeah anyway um i i've come up with a with a with a question um i was listening i was just listening to a podcast earlier on today um and they were they were talking about um like wrestling as a sport and i don't know why my brain went like this Um, and i'm simply asking you this because i've just thought of it like half an hour ago but i think it's quite interesting Um, is wrestling a sport that is an interesting question i would say
0: it's not actually Mm -hmm. and i think because ultimately my, my definition of sport has always been a sort of a genuine sporting contest Mm -hmm. in that there's you know a winner or loser and it's actually who's who's best who goes on to win Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously wrestling doesn't have that it's you know it is predetermined Um, etc that's that's what
1: i would have always said but i had this thought like could wrestling not be a sport if it was treated like gymnastics or diving or like synchronized swimming or like you know those sports where it's a performance um and then it's subject it's a subject you know it's a subjective sport because somebody's rating it
0: and i suppose that's where things like the the ratings mm-hmm. come in from you know whether it's melter or or anyone else you know you do get that sort of performance analysis mm-hmm. and, and in the same way i suppose that um you know theatre and and music mm-hmm. people rate those as well um so whether it's a, a sport or not uh, i'm not sure but you can certainly have a sort of a winners and losers on an actual performance base there Um, based on those those ratings but i suppose that the issue with that is always who's coming up with uh, the basis (laughs) and that's one of those things that uh, that sends the twitter sphere that we talked about previously into meltdown at times if Mm. they don't know those those ratings
1: yes yes which is why i quite like things like the, the grapple that's appeared recently i think that's a far better way of you know you know, Dave Meltzer deserves his respect in that, and he, he is, he, his ratings are very, very worth listening to. But at the end of the day, you know, one guy, um, I'd much rather look at the kind of crowdsourced ratings.
0: Absolutely. I, I really like Rappel as well. It, it mm. seems to be sort of very easy to use, but... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, it, and also, it, it is just a number, so you don't get people sort of desperately trying to make their point particularly on there it, it, you're people just voting on the, the quality of the match it's good to see i quite like doing those sort of comparison between that and the Meltzer just mm. just to see where the uh, where the discourse lies a bit more than, as you say than just one person
1: yeah uh, yeah and i'm very kind of pro oh we can't just be listening to one person but i, th- I think i've seen it like graft before where it's like Meltzer's ratings versus the grapple ratings and like he's he's not like he's not far off
0: no and, and i think he gets a lot of stick from mm. people and fairly um i don't think people necessarily understand sort of the way that he marks because he he does look more at the the actual wrestling side necessarily mm-hmm. than, I, mean, I i think looking back the the one that he's always criticized for is the uh, the undertaker short michaels match which mm-hmm. i think he only yeah, yeah. 4.5 4. 4.75 mm-hmm. and you can see why people might you know be upset by that considering how good that was but mm-hmm. when you then compare it to some of the japanese matches that he's giving five stars yeah. you can yeah. perhaps understand where he's coming from
1: yeah, I I've I don't want to dwell too long on this. I do understand the the bias claims. Um it was the week that it was um Bash at the Beach for, no not Bash at the Beach, Great American Bash versus um I think it was just Fighter Fest one and it was it was kind of a case of like Cody and Hager got four stars and Sasha versus EO got three points something and it was just a bit I don't know yeah. even yeah. as a kind of a <laughs> AEW kind of uh, supporting person I was a bit kind of like um not sure
0: yeah no that was actually exactly the week I was just thinking in terms of uh, when the the bias became a bit more obvious because that certainly wasn't a four-star match (laughs) no no
1: no, not at all um okay so um stardom which I have been very pleasantly surprised with the last couple days um i've watched i've watched two matches i watched on your on your recommendation i watched mayu Iwatami, iwatani keep using the m uh, iwatani versus uh, <laughs> takumi takumi oh this is really bad takumi aroha that i think that's how you say it um that was the first one that i watched and that was really really good like one of the better matches i've seen this year um, and then this morning, just because we were doing this, and because it's kind of happening right now, um, I again watched Iwatani versus Julia, which again I thought was absolutely superb—like really, really good. Um, how did how did you get into stardom?
0: Uh, so again, probably more through the the NXT side of things. There. So, um, Kyrie Sane, in particular, mm. I, I thought was fantastic when she first came through. Yeah, um, and yeah, I was i enjoyed Asuka although Asuka didn't come from from Stardom itself. Um and then obviously Shirai was the next one. And also I started thinking think, well, where where are all these people mm-hmm. coming from? Um, but also some of the sort of the western stars that I like, people like Tony Storm had all been yeah. there as well. Um so so yeah, I just I went to, to find some matches just on YouTube to start with. Um and from there I just thought this is this is fantastic and, and signed up to the uh to the I forget what they call it now, the the stardom, start,
1: stardom yeah stardom world it's just i don't know if it's been changed that name since bushy road bought it but it's just it's like um njpw adjacent kind of in terms of language
0: yes indeed yeah but yeah i just think it's a it's just a very fun but sort of technically good as well mm. uh promotion very yeah, bit very of technically of good yeah, I mean, I, I would say that with those two matches, not everyone will be like that. Sure, know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, when you get, to, you know, the odd Death Yamasan match, for example, you okay. might have to lower the expectations slightly. But uh, but even though that, that's sort of a good example of, that's the comedy in their wrestling, which is, mm. I quite like that mix as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's just, it's very likable. I couldn't even, like, even the promos at the end, it's not, it's, when you read the words, it's nothing, it's nothing particularly, like, it's not, um, kind of injury smashing pipe bombs but they, they just come across really well I can't quite explain why
0: I think it's because they're quite natural um, I don't mm. know if there obviously isn't a single scripted word of it I think obviously mm. again given the sort of bullet points perhaps but sometimes not even that I don't think um, so it just comes across as quite natural which is very different from what you mm. see um, I mean even in, in New Japan to be honest um, there, there's just something about the, uh, the stardom of what way of doing yeah. it that feels much more relatable
1: Hmm. um so what we usually do is we'll go through the statistics and we have a go at kind of um playing kind of wrestling commentator wrestling critic and kind of figuring out um the story that's being told in the match or the point of the match where um somebody wins or you know loses because of and um, whatever it's quite experimental but we've been finding it works all right so um if you as the listener uh, person who's listening and um, we'd like if you're kind of on a walk or whatever and you don't have the youtube version up and um, if you go to prowrestlingmusings.com and you find the maya atani versus julia article you'll be able to see all the graphics that i'm talking about which and um, i would suggest does help because it's a fair bit of numbers um, in a short space of time and um, so we've got 1st we I'm going to look at the kind of the st- stats breakdown, what kind of offense was used by which competitor. Um, and there's a very kind of strong theme throughout this match that Julia is in control and Maya Atani is trying to fight back wherever possible. Um, Julia actually dominates Maya Atani in terms of match offense by 14%, 58%, 42%. Bleeding to her getting in more strikes, more strike downs, um, one dive each, Mayu uh, Atani Mayu uh, gets nine grapples to Julia, six. Julia runs away with the submission game, 97 seconds worth of submissions from Julia compared to 29 from Iwatani. Um, Reversals are pretty much the same, Iwatani's going for more pin attempts, maybe feeling the tide against her and trying to get out when she can. Um, what The other statistic that I did take out of this is there's a really intense part of this match where Julia and Itani are on top of the turnbuckle fighting for dominance and Julia lays in 14 headbutts in a quite an intense exchange. Uh, that is 34% of Julia's total 44 strikes um, is from those headbutts on, headbutts on top of the turnbuckle. Um, Dan, do any of these numbers jump out at you as being important in telling the story which led to the result? Or do any of these numbers stand out as being um, numbers that are kind of an indicator as to how stardom sets up um, a wrestling match, how the wrestling match plays out?
0: So, I mean, this one in particular, it was very back and forth. And and actually, that probably is quite telling in terms of how, Mm start and do their their matches you don't often see sort of long periods of dominance for for one mm-hmm. person over the other um but as you said this one did it was sort of Julia almost leading and and Mayo yeah. desperately sort of fighting back each time um i mean that's that you said there about the the headbutts that i mean that yeah. whole exchange was just brutal <laughs> it was it's yeah, one of, the, one, yeah. of the, one of the bits of uh of wrestling that's always made me quite squeamish seeing yeah. people deliberately headbutt each other but 14 mm-hmm. like that in a, a short period was um <laughs> yeah, was uh, was quite something to watch. The, the, the stuff that I thought was impre- impressive was the number of reversals from both of them actually, which mm-hmm. I think that, as you said at the start, very technical. And mm-hmm. I think that does does show that um, it, the, the more more reversals than more than grapples, quite significantly as well. I think sort of shows that they were both really struggling to uh, sort of to actually finish their moves because the others were the other person was so good.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was, I was just the first, the first like five minutes of this. It's, um, it's all reversals and like really short submissions. It's so like it's so technical, um, and I, I find that really engaging. Like that, that kind of like really technical. It's like two experts struggling for dominance almost, and I, I really like that in wrestling. Yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and that fits these two perfectly because. Mm-hmm people who haven't watched it before that they are both the two main belt holders at the moment so Maya is the sort of the equivalent of the world champion and Julia mm-hmm. is the the white belt holder which is the the second belt but right. she's basically undefeated bar one pinfall mm-hmm. in her entire time there so these two really are the uh sort of the one and two in stardom at the mm-hmm. moment so that sort of plays into that idea that it's it's going to be tricky for one to to beat the other
1: mm-hmm. okay and they're the same group which is quite interesting indeed um, yes yeah, yeah
0: it's uh, yeah, the, the sort of um, thing that you see in these tournaments which you, know, you wouldn't normally expect them to go up against mm. each other but uh, it's certainly a good way to, to start off the tournament
1: mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah Yeah. definitely it would kind of well it's it's kind of um, hooked me in um, I mean as you're saying other matches you know this is kind of your Okada Tanahashi match perhaps or Okada Naito so it's you know you can't um, there might be a Yoshihashi or two in stardom I'm guessing
0: <laughs> sadly yes 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 <laughs>
1: um just just on just on that the way that they they kind of did the match um uh, sam i think it's maybe sam brown he goes by sam b on twitter he did an article recently um about kenny omega and about how the way that western wrestling is shot um might be limiting kenny omega and he he it was a really good article he had um gifs of like how AEW shoots the v trigger compared to how new japan do it and essentially western wrestling when a move hits to kind of play up the impact they have like a camera cut um so the the v trigger hits and then it cuts and you see the guy falling down whereas in new japan kenny omega would hit the v trigger and the camera's on it all the time so you really Again, you really see the impact. I, I would argue that like that shows more of it. Um, and again, I think that I think that um, really played out in this. They weren't when they were kind of struggling for holds. They didn't cut every time somebody twisted an arm or something, and they really kind of showed um, how the hold, hold looked. And, and now that I've read this article, I watch what the camera is doing. So like instead of cutting, the camera just moves, and you can really. You can really see what's going on, um, and it's not something I've ever thought about until I read that. But I, no, yeah, you're it's... going to have me looking
0: at the camera now. Yeah, again, yeah, definitely, but, yeah. But, but um, but thinking about it, so there was the um, sort of the kick exchange, which I think was the yes, other. yes, so yeah, that was I think m- at one point. Iwata yeah. hit sort of three or four super mm-hmm. kicks. Um, and you, the camera stayed in the same place for that entire exchange. You didn't see any cuts at that point. So you did really sort of see the full impact of uh, of those moves. And again, I suppose the, the headbutt exchange as well being another yeah. another example of that.
1: Yeah, it's just really interesting how the major American companies have gone with cuts, make it look good. Um, but yeah, I don't agree, I suppose.
0: No, it, it's a different one. I, I don't know if you watched it when it was briefly on the um, the ITV World of Sports um, version that they did more recently. Um, the, sort of the, I
1: saw the first episode. I saw um, the one with Will Osprey and uh, Davey Boy Jr. Yeah. And,
0: and that had more cuts than mm. wrestling moves in it. <laughs> Baffling Watching that one. And um, I'm not sure. I, again, I didn't continue watching that too much after that mm. one because it actually made me ill. so <laughs> <was, like>, many <laughs> cuts. But, uh, but no, it's not something I've thought about particularly, but that's something I'll, I'll look for now. And you're right, when you think about in, uh, New Japan in particular, um, and stardom, they don't move the camera about too much at all. You generally have sort of the same viewpoint for for a lot of the match
1: yeah 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 Uh, which yeah which is i'll yeah i'm sure you'll um notice it more now because it's one of those things that like until it's put in your head you're like oh that's why i quite like this style um which is quite interesting um so yeah dan just went dan kind of mentioned what i was going to mention next before i was able to which is good um he must have been watching the match um, carefully, um, so we're now going to move on to flow of offense. Um, and as as Dan so insightfully mentioned, um, this so this is you know this is crisscrossing everywhere. Um, as the match goes on, it's perhaps crisscrossing even more because there's exchange of exchanging of strikes. Um, however, which this graph doesn't perhaps show is kind of the, um, the all the reversals to begin with. Um, the match very much started with uh, a kind of uh, a Japanese lock-up style where they're exchanging, trying to get dominance. And it, again, it eventually breaks down into strikes and grapples and, you know, a, a wrestling match. Uh, the match had kind of two big strike battles. There was um, like a kick battle. I've never really seen it to this extent. They were kind of doing big boot boot-type kicks and exchanging those, which was, they looked heavy um, to put it like that. And then towards the end of the match, there was, um, from like 13 minutes onwards, there was a more of a common Japanese-style forearm battle, but that went on for a long time. And if you've got the graph in front of you, you can see it. It's like the pink and the blue are crisscrossing the whole time. Um, and again, the way that this match panned out, um, it was mainly Julia kind of has slightly heavier offense than mayu throughout. Maya um, however, there's one huge um, burst of offense as Iwatani tries to get into it towards the end. Um, whilst that she hits, took uh, three grapples and dive um, in the same kind of sequence of offense. Um, Julia kind of puts, puts the contest to bed. Uh, with a kind of an offensive offense of three grapples, a thirty-two second submission attempt, uh, she goes in for a pin which she doesn't get, uh, but she eventually hits her finisher um, to win the match. Um, Dan, does any of does any of this uh, stick out as important? Or I don't know, maybe a question more for uh, my curiosity. When, whilst going through that, does does it kind of? Um, does it kind of prompt the memories of that kind of thing or is the kind of is it kind of maybe too far removed in terms of language and visuals
0: no i don't think that as i said at the start it felt like a very backward back mm-hmm. and forward match and then that um, sort of the flow of offense definitely shows that um and as you said if you sort of look at the the peaks of it throughout it, it is julia just getting more each time mm-hmm. even though yeah and um, they're sort of going backwards and forwards I actually the the big peak just after 10 minutes mm-hmm. i'm like I'm not sure if that's the, uh, the side suplex where it looked like she'd absolutely broken Mayu's neck, to be honest. It was one of those things that uh, Mayu apparently does, a bit like Will Ospreay. She's she's quite fond of landing on her neck. Um, yeah, there was,
1: there was <laughs> one where I proper cringed. Yeah. Um, that that big that big jump, actually, after 10 minutes, that's the headbutt, and then the superplex, I think she does off oh, the yeah. top. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, the oh, I don't know where the suplexes are. Would that have been towards the end, perhaps?
0: I was going to say it was quite towards the end. So yeah, maybe it's. That I little, think that might be in month
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that's that huge spike at the end, maybe.
0: But I, I think again, so looking at that that trend, you can sort of see even though it was back and forth, mm. it was Julia just getting them the most of it each time, oh, yeah. and that obviously built up over the, the course of the match, and and presumably that's what wore Mayo down by the uh, by the end. Um, the other thing, actually, we didn't talk about the and um, the submission amounts but uh, mm-hmm. julia was was focusing a lot on mm-hmm. on mayo's arm which was obviously heavily strapped yeah. up as well so again just sort of slowly wearing a down over the match but uh, and to soak up a lot of offense at the same time
1: yeah which again is a quite a feature of japanese wrestling it's um more nuanced they they do kind of tell those um more tactical stories
0: yes absolutely yeah it, it's sort of very reminiscent of uh, some of the new japan matches when you, you mm-hmm. watch the likes of, sort of Goto and Ishii, who yeah. will uh, deliver. So yeah, exactly, deliver hundreds of strikes, but receive quite a lot themselves. It's mm-hmm. just a case of how the match develops as it as it goes on.
1: Yeah. Um, so then the other thing I've been doing is I've been breaking the matches down into five minutes, um, and it kind of just um, the idea that Dan is when you when you watch a football match and it's like it breaks it down into fifteen minute chunks. It's you know, Man United had sixty two percent of the possession you know, for this 15 minutes, but then only 25 for the next. And I've always found that really interesting because it just kind of shows the flow of the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is supposed to be the kind of... This is essentially what I do. I kind of take things that I see other places and kind of just pretend I've come up with it for wrestling. Um, <laughs> it's not as smart as it looks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, five-minute chunks of the match. And what's, what is really interesting here is uh, that my attack... Uh, I'm, I'm butchering these names I need to hear them more um, Mayu Itani actually so out of the 15 minute match well no 17 minute match um, so there are only three like complete five minute chunks of this um, Mayu Itani actually gets more offense than Julia in two out of three of those chunks um, the main difference in offense is that Julia has a huge amount at the end um, and the the five minute period that julia wins does have there's a big bit more of a gap between the between the two wrestlers so she does she does um get more offense than iwatani throughout the whole match but there are there are chunks where um iwatani is is you know she's not dominated throughout the whole match and which is interesting um
0: absolutely and and again sort of plays into that idea that the uh that julia is almost taking more of her opportunities so when she wins mm-hmm. her five minutes she wins it by that that bit more yeah. which mm-hmm. uh, which wears my down for the uh for the match overall
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely um yeah then w- w- if you look at your kind of last chart there and um, this is very similar to the first chart it's just a lot more visual you can really see the i mean it's obviously the submissions that jumps out there there's a huge um, advantage for julia there in terms of submissions and the other advantages for her are a bit, a bit smaller. You can see the grapples for Iwatani. Um, and then we've got the, the kind of the pie chart that really kind of visualizes, um, the, the, the offense. And you can see that there's, there's an advantage there for Julia, but it's not, it's not huge. This was still a very competitive match. um that Julia just about bested Iwatani for, um, I I found um, Julia really compelling throughout this as a first-time viewer of hers. Um, However, I have seen some criticism on Twitter of this booking decision. I don't know what you make of that, Dan.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one with Julia because, as I mentioned earlier, she's um, basically unbeaten Mm -hmm. since say basically unbeaten she did lose one match and is refusing to acknowledge that but uh, right okay <laughs> but actually interestingly the one person that she has been pinned by is the person who pulled out injured before the tournament so right, okay. no, one, no one in the tournament has has mm-hmm. pinned her or beaten her um but so yeah I, I think there's a slight feeling around uh some stardom fans that she's sort of been bought in and given the the roman reigns push a bit oh, right, I see. Um, okay. and there, there's also there was some controversy about her arrival in the first place. She was effectively sort of pinched from a another promotion, right. okay. um, which which d- didn't please a lot of people. But mm-hmm. um,
1: and but, that's uh, a bit of four Japan, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's certainly yeah. not uh, not as common mm-hmm. um, as it is as it is in the US. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I can understand that. And she would obviously gone on to win the white belt in that time. Um, mm-hmm. Some of that was dictated by the fact that the existing white belt holder had to retire injured um mm. Oshiki, which was a shame because i think that actually would have been a great match between the two of them um but yeah i think that's the the issue and you know obviously if your your red belt champion loses in the first match i mm-hmm. think a lot of people are a bit concerned about what that means um but it's something i actually thought probably would happen because i mm-hmm. think they will probably set up at some point a, a match between these two um which will go a little bit longer. And, yeah. uh, and be possibly even better if they're, if they're given that a bit more time.
1: I mean, my guess would be, as a complete novice, that it's kind of set up for Julia to now win the tournament and challenge Iwatani as somebody that's already beat her before.
0: It's interesting. Um, so my prediction to, to win the whole thing was from the other block, um, Momo hmm. Tanabe. Okay. Um, and, and my thought around this is, um, well, I, I really hope that stardom don't get stuck in the... Double champ buyer than mm. yeah get stuck at the moment mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't, doesn't work it's not uh, to it helped NXT either no. um, so I, my feeling is that ultimately Julia will will not win this and, and will continue defending the white belt um, mm-hmm. there's actually a, an ongoing feud between her and um, Tam Nakano who's in her block as well um, okay. so that'll be that'll be one to look out for because they've been feuding for quite a while now and in fact they were the final of the the tournament recently for. The white belt um and so we'll get a, mm-hmm. an immediate sort of rematch between those two so that that will be yeah uh, that'll be interesting um but i mean certainly you could see them just continuing this this run for for julia of, sort of winning everything and, and going mm-hmm. on to to face mayu as
1: well would would the would the possib- other possibility be that um so somebody else wins this and then Julia's a challenger for mayu kind of like they do in the g1 you know, you have your winner, but your champion's lost. Um, so uh, the one that springs to mind is Kenny Omega had to defend against um, Ishii before he got to Tanahashi um, at Wrestle Kingdom because Ishii had beaten him in the block. Would it be that kind of, is yeah, absolutely. That kind of tool?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I suspect they will They will do that at some stage, uh, mm-hmm. using that defeat as uh, as as a reason for that. Um, and, and obviously the fact that they've had such a good match in the first place, you'd, uh, yeah. you'd hope it would pique people's interest
1: yeah it's interesting so obviously i've watched those two stardom matches now and mayu Watani was the, the kind of one of the names that i knew uh, going into this and um, she's lost both those matches um like and th- the takumi aroha match the thing that really stuck out in that match was she only got 30 percent of the offense it was a huge um 70 to uh, takumi aroha
0: Yeah, that was a a very different style of match because, as you said, Takumi just dominated that one. Mm -hmm. uh, So the much stronger opponents and, um, yeah, sort of bullied Mayu for a lot of that match, really. Mm. Um, It's an interesting match, that one, because Iroha's not actually in stardom. uh, She she was in stardom previously, um, but is now in, I think, a promotion called Marvelous. Um, okay. And she was sort of drafted in on a day's notice for that match because mm-hmm. Maya was supposed to face someone else. Yeah. Um, so the, the fact that they put a match on like that on a day's notice was was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's one of those things that's hanging over all of this. Is if, if Maya goes on to win the whole mm-hmm. tournament, um, who who would she pick to yeah, face? Yeah. Um, and one of the obvious ones is, is Takumi Oroha.
1: I, I really liked her. I thought she was great.
0: She was, that was one of the first times I'd seen her as well mm. in that match. And she was absolutely brilliant yeah. um, and, and looked sort of very dominant. And, mm-hmm. and you could imagine her um, sort of taking that title from Maya if that's, the, if that's mm-hmm. the way they want to go.
1: And that, um, they, they kind of did the, the WCW um, uh, NWO Rey Mysterio spot with the ring post.
0: Yes. Yes. Which quite was, brutal.
1: Yeah, that was crazy.
0: <laughs> That's. A, she, she looks like a, a very different. We talked about it being very technical at the start mm-hmm. of all this. Um, Takumi was sort of very a different style of that, a lot more sort of strength and, and power and, and a lot of striking. So, it was an, which I think perhaps that played into the storyline on that match as well, in that Maya yeah, was facing yeah. something that she uh, she hadn't faced before.
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, Dan in the same kind of stardom vein moving along you very kindly did a pre five star grand prix power rankings for pro wrestling musings.com and um, would you like to take us through some of the highlights of that to kind of give the listeners um if like me they want to jump into stardom um during the five star grand prix which is just to be clear essentially um the g1 but stardom's version and um, so it, it is going to be their kind of uh, one of their flagship events um what what can they look f- forward to um i suppose the article is more about the wrestlers would you like to would you like to take us through some of that
0: yes absolutely i, I think one of the really interesting things this year is there's a lot of debutants in the right tournament, okay. um partly because um none of the the foreign or gaijin wrestlers mm-hmm. are there mm-hmm. at the moment so people like uh B. Priest, B. Priest, well, I'm actually not sure if B-Priest would be in it or not, who knows? Um, but, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jamie Hayter, people mm-hmm. like that, they're obviously not, not available. So you've got people like um, Starlight Kid um, okay. and Saya Kamitani, who I don't think would have been expected to be in it normally, um, but who are like was,
1: the New Japan Cup, I suppose. Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
0: Very similar. And, and we haven't seen a lot of them in, particularly in the case of Saya Kamitani, a lot of them in one-on-one competition. Um, mm-hmm. You do get a lot of uh, tag team and three way matches in um, in Stardom, mm-hmm. so you don't always see a lot of these people in in one on one matches. So yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah. really interesting to see how some of them get on. Um, but also, I think that that also provides the bookers a bit of a, a easy sort of decision to to give other people some pins if, if necessary. Sure, so sure. There are people who can eat those eat those pins if necessary. <laughs> but um, but then you you've also got people like so. Just looking at my list um, in terms of the power rankings, I've got Himaker at mm-hmm. um 13 but she has actually won uh six of the seven matches mm, she's been yeah. in since since her debut um and i think she probably will be towards the top of the actual
1: is she um, in uh julia's stable
0: yeah she's the newest oh, member on uh okay. donna del mondo so um and and in fact is facing julia today or faced julia today i believe. Mm. I don't know what the result of that is um mm. but um obviously I think at the end of the uh, the Julia and um and Mayo and match she made, made the, the point that she was going to yeah. be yeah. So um so I think they've got big things planned for her. So while she might not be sort of top of the sort of the power rankings as they were before the tournament, I suspect she will be much closer to the top by the end.
1: Mm, yeah. Okay. Um who, who who else do people need to kind of bear in mind?
0: So my personal sort of pick um to, to do very well i've got the number four here is momo watanabe oh
1: uh-huh, so yes in the,
0: in the blue block um so the other side of the the draw from everyone we've seen so mm-hmm. far um she's sort of had she, she, she's almost a veteran at the age of 20 which is sort of ridiculous really um but sort of <laughs> not unusual in stardom yeah yeah um she uh, she held the white belt for a long time um and then once she lost that she, so 2019 was mm-hmm. quite quiet for her um she, she wasn't involved in lots, lot which is what makes me feel that she's really sort of going to come back this year okay uh-huh. um, and it'll be really interesting to see how she gets on in her first few matches to see sort of what the uh what the plans are for her
1: yeah i'm I'm familiar with you know i'm familiar with her name she's what must be one that people have referred to and being involved in good matches perhaps
0: absolutely yeah and she's actually looked really good since coming back from, from lockdown as well some really good performances so um so i think looking for the big things from her um and the other person in that block who i've actually got above her in the power rankings is um Siuri, who is mm. unbeaten since lockdown or since the return of okay. that um she's also a member of, of donna del mondo
1: right yeah um,
0: and uh, and he's looking very strong and very good uh, mm. going into the tournament. I think the only thing that makes me think she probably won't go on to win it is that she's actually got a match lined up with Mayu for the the title right, at some point right. during the tournament already. So it'd be a slight... Did she
1: beat Mayu team. as well? She
0: pinned her in a multi-man match. Oh, uh, I see. I see. So, um, so she gets the, but also just the fact that she has been unbeaten for so long, I think, mm-hmm. has, has put her in that position.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. The other the other name that jumps out that um, people talk about a lot, um, and I'm wondering if she is Stardom's Ishii, um, Jungle Kiona?
0: Yes, I, I, I've often said that she's um, Stardom's Naito, actually. Right, okay. That unlike, unlike Naito, she's never actually been given the chance to mm-hmm. to win the belt. Um there's a lot of criticism of her booking recently, actually, because um, she was obviously very close with uh, with Hannah mm-hmm. Kimura, who died earlier this year, uh, mm-hmm. and um, so she she came back a bit later than everyone else um, and went into a, a title feud with with my okay. um and sort of had a, a championship match in mm-hmm. Jungle's hometown, you know, with all of the emotion of the Hannah Kimura situation. Yeah and then was defeated and i think people okay. thought well if she's never going to if mm-hmm. she doesn't win it then she's never going to win it um and, i mean she's she's hugely popular and she's fantastic to watch in the ring as well mm-hmm. um it'll be interesting to see what they do with her going forward because um, i'm not sure how long they can ignore the uh, the public yes <laughs> outcry of her not winning something um but i, I personally don't think this is going to be it for for her this year
1: mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like it would be too soon after the last chance
0: exactly yes yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also it's such a strong block anyway cause mm-hmm, yeah. below her on that list you've got utami as well who's just become one of the tag team champions she's looked very good going into ah. this tournament um so yeah, it, it, it's not a weak block of the two certainly
1: um further further back number eight and um, that's another name that i'm somewhat familiar with tam nakano
0: Yes, so this is, um I mentioned her earlier as having had the feud with, with Julia. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And so looking at her record there, she's had, I think, five defeats mm-hmm. out of seven since um, coming back from lockdown. But I think either three or four of those were either to Julia right. or members of Donna Del Mondo. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all, she's almost been in a sort of single feud around that. Yeah, um, yeah. But she's quite an interesting character because she's sort of displayed as this sort of quite sugary sweet <laughs> persona. Right. Um, but she does every now and again just sort of completely lose her mind, which is quite fun to watch. But um,
1: Naito? Not Naito, sorry. Ibushi-ish.
0: Yes, a little bit like that, actually. Yeah. Um, So it'll be interesting to see, particularly when she goes up against Julia again, whether that that side of her comes out a bit more. Okay. uh, But, uh, I mean, again, someone that I wouldn't be surprised at, at all to see win that block. Right. So okay. I've oh. got a relatively low down that um that top yeah. that chart. And actually the one person I haven't even mentioned is the one person who in the red block who I said would win the red block, which is Konami. Um so another member of um Tokyo Cyber Squad, so which mm-hmm. was um, right stable. Um she got to the final last year. She okay. got to the final of previous tournaments as well. She's sort of always been the runner-up and never quite got to the uh go to, go to, to win the final a little bit like that yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah there's certainly a, an equivalent there uh-huh. um but i really won't be because of all of the sort of the competing uh issues that other people in the red block have got to go for right. so i don't think my necessarily will win for example because she's already the red belt holder as, as i said i think julia will Focusing on the the white belt, um, it, maybe it leaves it open for Konami to to win the block again.
1: So, in terms of winning the whole thing, um, based on everything you've said, there is Momo Wantabe. Is she perhaps one of the kind of booking kind of logic favourites?
0: absolutely I mean, that's who i have gone with um mm-hmm. but it is one of those tournaments where you could ask me the same thing and half an hour later and i'd come up with yeah. a completely different uh <laughs> a completely different answer but no I, I think momo is is my favorite to win it i think a momo um mayu match would be absolutely superb to watch that they, they've gone up against each other relatively recently and it was good but i think they they could really put on a um an absolutely brilliant match and, and i think it's probably time for. For Momo to move up to that uh, that red belt level and and sort of start to be the face of the company.
1: And where where does this where does this all lead to? What's uh, when and what is kind of Wrestle Kingdom?
0: Well, they will have um, an end of year. Well, this is assuming it's the same as uh, as last mm-hmm. year. Which, yeah. Who knows what they're doing at the moment, but they tend to build to a big show at the end of the year. Okay. Um, on uh, the 24th they had it last year um and that's where you, you likely get the big the big title wow. matches all the titles will be on the line um so quite what they do in between now and then that they actually won't have as much time as normal mm-hmm. to sort of yeah. squeeze in other um other matches i suspect but uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see MoMovi, v mayu be that the match that headlines that at the end of the year certainly
1: cool um anything else you want to bring up in terms of any of that stardom or are we happy with that
0: the only other thing I was going to mention is, say, looking at the stats from uh, mm-hmm. um, the, these matches post-lockdown, if you look at them, the, the stats for all of Donna Del Mondo are, are ludicrously strong. And, and that's certainly one of right. the stories they're telling going into this tournament. Um, I think they hold the trio's belt. Um, Mike holds the future of stardom belt. Okay. Obviously, the white belt holder. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think they are really building them up as a, a dominant faction. And and interestingly they're all sort of they've all come in from outside from other promotions. So there is a sort of a slightly NWO feel about it, I suppose.
1: I can't stop um, comparing it to NGPW. I've got um loss <laughs> in in my head in terms of a comparison.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, could, I would have said more of the um the Tokyo Cyber Squad. Were that. Oh, really? Of, okay. Um, but obviously, that faction is mm-hmm. understandably in a yeah. bit of flux at the moment with, uh, with Jungle and Konami sort of leading leading that faction okay. at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the story is going to be the strength of, uh, of Donna Del Mondo going through the tournament, um, even if they don't necessarily get to the
1: finals. Perfect. Um, so, just wrapping up, Dan, um, would you like to share your? Current favourite wrestler, um, favourite match and a podcasts that um, people should check out. And I'm really not looking for you to go, this one, a genuine <laughs> podcast recommendation. <laughs> uh,
0: so in terms of favourite wrestler at the moment, um, probably Darby Allin, actually. I'm, I'm saying that mm. sitting in, in my Darby Allin t-shirt at the moment. Oh, really? Oh. I think I just, I love it. I, I've seen him sort of on the, the indie scene in the UK a couple of times before he we went to to aew and i really like his his style mm-hmm. watching the the moxley match uh this week and there was a moment where he just did a a, a dive through to the outside which most people use their hands to sort of block mm-hmm. them literally just torpedoed straight yeah. into yeah. Just, i can't imagine he's going to be resting for very long
1: but uh, i always remember yeah. i remember i remember very clearly the other one he did against moxley in the first match i think it was moxley where he just Came into the ring and sprinted and loped straight away.
0: Absolutely, yeah, very similar approach, and it's just sort of thrilling to watch someone who's, again, a very different style to normal. Um, I, I always like people who stand out for that reason.
1: Mm, yeah, he's. I think he's uh-huh. compelling. I think that's the word yes. for him, compelling.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. The only my only concern about him is when they're going to be, to actually be able to move him up because he, he keeps mm-hmm. losing in these uh these tough battles. Yeah. But he will need to need to win at some point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: In terms of uh, favorite matches this year, my my favorite match has been the um, the Adam Page Omega versus the Young Bucks match. I absolutely loved that, and I, and I love everything that they've been doing with that whole division actually this year. Um, I think it's been such a um, sort of good story from beginning to end, and then they keep adding to it. Now with with FTR coming in as well, I think there's so much to enjoy about uh, about the storytelling there. Mm-hmm. Um then away from AEW, the, the takumi Roha match and my who is one of my favorites of this mm-hmm. year certainly
1: um and do you have a podcast recommendation
0: in terms of a, a slightly different one so we mm-hmm. talk a lot about sort of um things like stardom and, and AEW uh-huh. wrestling here but there's a particularly good one called bang bang podcast where um a couple of guys basically go back and, and pick uh, an old school wrestler so i mm-hmm. think this week they talked about irs um and you know basically they they get drunk and chat about <laughs> okay and it, it's, it's just it's a, it's a fun little sort of community to be part of actually they, mm-hmm. um, they sort of do a lot of interaction with people and they also go and look at uh, some of the old shows so they did an old Clash of the Champions recently um, so again it, it, whilst I am quite critical of WWE a lot of the time it is nice to go back and, uh, mm-hmm. and listen to some of the positives about them a lot of the time
1: yeah 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 absolutely uh, there are there are some
0: <laughs> there are yes sometimes you have to go quite far back
1: but uh, yes. there are some uh yeah uh, thank you um very very much for uh joining us today dan um it was it was really good to um pick up a different um a different topic and explore stardom um hopefully people people that are listening um will be kind of motivated to go and check it out it is it is if from my point of view it seems like a really good um time to do it and i've i've certainly um, really enjoyed the two matches um, that, that I've watched and I'm kind of intending on I won't I won't be able to watch all of the five star but kind of picking up the kind of the bigger matches and um, that get kind of well rated or that have um, the kind of people that have been particularly interesting so far um, is there anything you'd like to share with people in terms of like where they can find you on Twitter or um, where to pick up um, how to kind of get your blog and that kind of things
0: absolutely but first thanks for giving me uh, my my podcast debut it's very no, kind brilliant <laughs> <laughs> uh, my twitter is at dan spurs quins which unfortunately gives away my football allegiance but uh, <laughs> hopefully people won't talk about that um and sort of the the articles that i write um some of which are on on pro wrestling musings mm-hmm. um, i sort of collate them on my site which is yes uh wrestlingwithprocrastination.co.uk. um so yeah have a look at that and uh, and let me know what you think
1: Brilliant. Um, Thank you very much for joining us today, Dan, and thank you very much for listening.